I'm glad you're here. Um, thank you for being here with us this morning uh, and worshiping with us. Uh, we, uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, man, I, I, uh, I got to tell you, I'm, just, I'm humbled by um, just what God's doing. Uh, you're not here right now because of an accident, and, and I think you know that. You know, I think you know that, and I, I'm not either, and I know that. Uh, but I just I look around the room and I just see I just see one story after another of of, of God's working in people's lives and um, it's just amazing you know I, I wish I wish that everybody got to know the things that I get to know sometimes I know that might scare you because you think oh well Chris is about to tell it all uh, I'm not but you know I just I just wish that I just wish sometimes that everybody got to hear um, you know what God is doing uh, in the lives of people in fact uh, I'll say this you know earlier in the year. Uh, we took a we took a little retreat uh, with uh, folks here from church. Just you know, we went up to Barkley Lodge up off of uh, Lake Barkley, and uh, hence the name. And uh, we uh, we just man, we we had a great time together. But probably one of the most special moments of the weekend uh, was uh, we took we took a couple of hours and just let we just went around the room and we just let everybody just kind of share. A little bit of their gospel story and how they ended up at 24 and stuff and whoo man I mean by the time by the time that was done I was done like I you know uh, I was supposed to say something at the end I couldn't say anything at the end I couldn't hardly talk the next morning I mean it just um, uh, just a testimony of what God has done and, and and so many of you can can say that and I mean he's he's at work he's at work I mean and, and, and I know we this this year we've talked a whole lot about it but it but this, it's worth it okay like it's it's all worth it. Everything that we're doing is worth it. The the whole the whole bit is worth it. The whole following the dream, the uh, the vision, the whole thing. It's all worth it. And so, um, man, God is God is just being good. I'll probably mention uh, you know even just a couple things He's been up to. But um, anyway, we'll we'll go ahead and jump into this. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the Book of Jonah, and uh, uh, the Book of Jonah, chapter two. We talked through chapter one this past week. If you don't have a Bible. Our ushers have Bibles. They will bring you one. Just throw your hand up and let them know you need it. If you need to borrow it, that's fine. If you need to take it home because you don't own one, it's a gift. We'd love for you to take it. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, but uh, Jonah chapter 2 this morning, <clears throat> and if uh, you're not familiar uh, with uh, the story of Jonah, I'll tell you just a little bit uh, about uh, what's, what's going on with Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. We know that because Jesus called him one. Uh, and uh, which is pretty interesting, uh, but Jonah's a prophet that um, had uh, been called by God to go to a people, uh, and he'd been called to go specifically to this uh, city, Nineveh. And and the truth is, is that uh, Jonah, uh, after being called by God to go to this particular place, uh, he he wigged out. He didn't go. <laughs> He got scared. I, I don't know he, if he was just afraid of what was in front of him. I'm not sure exactly. You know, it doesn't tell us exactly why Jonah didn't go, but it just tells us uh, that Jonah basically ran from God, and he went and found some guys, and he jumps on a boat with them, and he takes off in the other direction. And then while he's out on a boat, God hurls, <laughs> hurls a wind into the water, and, and it creates this massive storm. And the boat's, you know, being thrown around like crazy. And Jonah's down beneath asleep. Uh, also a picture of something that we see Jesus do later on in life. Uh, later on, 800 years probably later. Uh, and 
Jonah is woken by the one of the guys on the ship, captain or whoever, and then they come up and and you know they're like somebody you know somebody's done something wrong here. What's up? And Jonah just confesses right then, you know, I'm running from God kind of thing. And they do a little drawing of straws kind of thing to figure out it is Jonah first. And then he confesses, tells them, you know, I'm running from my God. And my God is the, is the God of the heavens. He's the God of the earth. He created the earth. He created the sea, created the sky. And then all these guys on the boat just immediately start getting scared. And so Jonah, leading up to this moment, uh, you know, is, you know, on the run from the Lord, you know, and, and the truth is, is we've all been there. At some point in time, we've been on our own run from the Lord in some way, shape, or form. And, and then, in turn, what happens is, you know, basically, Jonah finally tells him, look, you guys are going to have to throw me out of the boat into the sea to save yourselves and appease, and appease the Lord. And so they, they don't want to do it, but they finally do it, and they throw Jonah into the sea, and Jonah's thrown into the sea, and then he is swallowed by a big fish that God sends. And it is the story of Jonah that so many of us do know. Felt boards and all, big fish and guy inside and, you know, all this stuff. By the way, years ago, and I really meant to pull this picture. I'll see if I can pull a picture later for you and, and post it up. Uh, years ago, I went to this place called the Holy Land. Not the real one. This one's in Orlando. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, my mom wanted to go. And I, I just got to tell you, I mean, like, I walked in. I, I probably walked in there with the wrong heart, just to be honest with you. Like, I just went ready to take pictures and make fun of everything, okay, uh, because of the cheesiness and, and all that stuff. And, and I, I can appreciate, you know, the, the work that goes into something, like, you know, helping to communicate to kids or whatever. But, uh, I mean, some of it was just, like, so goofy. It was crazy. Uh, but, you know, I remember, like, there's a, there's, a, there's a Jonah in the whale. This is not the Jonah in the whale from the Bible, okay? And, and uh, you'll see in the picture that I post later, probably. Uh, but Jonah talks about, and so in chapter 2, Jonah talks about what it was like in the whale. Jonah is spit up out of the fish's mouth. In fact, I, I want to read that verse with you. It's the last verse of chapter 1, uh, verse 17, and I purposely didn't talk a whole lot about it last week because I kind of wanted to lead into it this week, uh, lead in with it this week. In verse 17, it says this. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. This is easily, easily one of those things that we see in Scripture that we know is so important about, about what happens with Jesus and God's plan for his son, that when he would come and that he would come and die and all this stuff, you know, that there would be this, you know, period of time for Jesus in between his death and his resurrection, three days. Jonah had to be thrown into the sea to save those guys on the boat. He in a sense, gave his life that they might have their lives. We talked about this a little bit last week and that we see this, this mirroring image of, of Jonah and Jesus in so many ways throughout the passage. Only Jesus is the better Jonah. And this continues today 
into what we see as Jonah's account of what it, what, it, what it was like to be in the fish and what happened with him and what was going on with him inside this fish. And, and, and I got to tell you, this is, this is one of those moments, if you have ever had one of those moments in life where you think this is it, this is it. There's, there's, no, there's no after this, this is the moment. Like we, we've, we've come to this pinnacle moment and my life is over kind of moment, okay? Like, like there's no good that's going to come after this. I mean, you, I, you know, and, and truth is, if you've never had one of those moments, then I'm, I'm glad for you, okay? But the truth is, I think most of us have had those moments. At some point in time along the way, we thought there was no hope left. We thought there was nothing worth uh, living for after something that awful that happened to us or whatever it may be. And this is that moment for Jonah. Jonah is in that moment as he has not just been swallowed by a fish, but he is literally underwater. Jonah 2, verse 1 says this. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. His God from the belly of the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I think one of the mistakes that we make in life so many times over and over is that when we have these moments that seem like a this is going to be the end type of moment, I don't know where to go from here moment, I'm freaking out moment, that in those moments, instead of praying to God, we do something else. Now you pick your flavor. I mean, you, prob- you probably know if, 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 if it all hits the fan today, what are you going to do? What, what's going to be the first thing that you're going to do? I mean, don't answer out loud. I mean, but just you know, think about it for a minute. Like, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to call somebody? You're going to cry hysterically? It's fine, okay? There's, I mean, what, what's, what's the response? There's always a response. Are, are we going to, I mentioned this last, we're going to work harder to get through the moment, Maybe. Well, what should we do? What, what should we do? And it's so in front of our face that we miss it sometimes, right? And, and it's right there, and Jonah does it. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He's in the fish. And, and in that moment, I, I'm sure I'm sure he's freaking out. You'll see like some, in some of the details that he shares of what it's like in the fish. This is not the stuff that's in like the, the plastic mold Jonah thing at the theme park, okay? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. He is saying this is like the place of Sheol. Sheol... uh, not necessarily hell here, uh, but refers to what they knew of as the realm of the dead, okay? And so Jonah is saying that in this moment, I cried out when I really felt like where I was was down in the belly of death itself. Like I didn't think I would survive this. And I cried out to my God 
out of distress, and it says, and he answered me. He says, and you heard my voice. You heard my voice. Man, I, this is part of the reason why I've, I've just been praying for us as a church, as a body of believers. Folks, I, I got to tell you, like some of the craziest moments of my life, I would not have made them through if it hadn't been for being able to pray and spend that time with the Lord. I, I, really, I really couldn't have done it. There's no, there just no way. There are moments of my life that, and I hate to say it like this, because I, I want my life to be consistently like this all the time, but there are moments of my life that I can look back on where I prayed continuously and faithfully for God to move and do great things for His kingdom to lead us, to, to bring us through. And, and, and the truth is, is we, we have seen God do amazing things. And, and I think that for so many of us, I think that we miss out on just the act of prayer and being a part of that process of humbling ourselves and bringing ourselves before the Lord. There's a word that I just used there, humbling ourselves, okay? Two words, okay, I get it, I count. <laughs> humbling ourselves, and that's, and, and that's tough for us because the reason that so many of us don't pray even if we're not saying it out loud or if we, even if we're not consciously thinking it, okay, we are at times acting upon the thought that we are not praying because we already have it figured out, that we don't need to do it. I mean, you tell me a better reason why we're not praying. I mean, yeah, oh, we're too busy, okay. Well, doesn't that communicate the same thing? We're too busy to spend time with God means... Oh, well, we're, we, don't, we don't need you right now, Lord. Well, we'll come back when we need you. You know, I'll be back on Sunday, God, you know. I'll be back on Sunday, and, you know, if something hits the fan during the week, we'll, we'll get together, right? After I've called Aunt Jemima and 15 other people and put it on Facebook and, you know, vetted, vetted, vetted the opinions of all my friends on social media, you know, and, all this, all this stuff, I mean, that's, that's how we work. And Jonah, Jonah right here, what's he do? Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the belly of the fish, from the belly of Sheol. He's saying, I prayed to the Lord in the moment that I thought I was going to be in the belly of death. And he heard my voice. He heard my voice. You see, here's, here's the beauty of, of, of having a relationship with God. is that it is that. It's a relationship. It's not just a, God's not just our ATM machine to get us what we need and what we want when we need and want it. It is this beautiful relationship that we have with Him. We're, we're here singing, singing songs. I mean, we're not just singing songs to ourselves. We're singing these songs to God. These songs... When, when, I, when I worship, the thing that I learned a long time ago, that when I worship, when I sing praise to the Lord, when I study Scripture and spend that time with Him, it, that's, that's not, 
That's not what I just call worship. Like that's me praying to God. That's me communicating to God. Those things I'm asking myself as I'm singing those things on the screen, God, is that my heart? If that's my heart, boy, you better know it. I'm, I'm over here screaming it and I'm acting like a fool and I don't care. He hears our voice in having a relationship with Jesus. It means that we can have a relationship with him. We can talk to God. We have the ability to do that. We are not just part of the family who are not just good enough that we can't have to go to somebody else and give them a note for them to take to God for us. This is not, this is not the Catholic Church, okay? We don't need priests anymore, okay? When, when Jesus died and it said that the veil of the curtain ripped from the top to the bottom, that happened at the moment that he gave up his life on the cross, and the reason that that happened was that God wanted us to understand was that you didn't need to send somebody into the Holy of Holies for you anymore. You didn't need somebody else to take your sin for you anymore. You have the ability to meet with God himself, and he will hear your voice. And man, that is good. That is so good. And in verse 3, for you cast me into the deep. This is Jonah talking to God. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. This is Jonah praying to God here, okay? Saying, you cast me into the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. And in verse 4 it says, and then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So Jonah, in the midst of this moment, is saying something that I think is hugely important, that I think we could all learn from. I mean, again, this is Jonah's like, oh crap moment, okay? I don't have a better way to say it that I can say. Jonah, in this moment, is meeting with the Lord. Instead of just freaking out and having his moment, he's having this moment and seeking the Lord. And he's even saying, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. And he's saying, in this moment, I worship you. In this moment, I, you know, it's, it, tradition then would have been like, you know, at, at certain times and things like that, they would have turned to whatever direction the temple was in from where they were to, to pray, to worship at different times in the day. And Jonah is saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm from here in the belly of the fish under the sea. And in this moment, Lord, I want to worship you, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. And he says, I recognize you've driven me away from your sight. Why did he do that? Why did God drive Jonah away from his sight? He didn't really drive him away from his sight, but to Jonah, that's what it felt like. Why did God do that? Why does God do that at times? Because sometimes that's what he has to do to get our attention. 
Have you ever noticed that sometimes it has to get real bad before it ever gets good? I mean, we could have testimony time across the room in here right now. I, I know it. I know some of you would be, would be glad to even share it. By the way, we're going to have one of those retreats this coming wintry spring, whatever seasons we have now. I don't <laughs> Jonah, in this moment, wants to worship God, but he's also recognizing and he's, he's confessing, you have driven me away from your sight. He's saying, I know. I know why you've done this. Jonah was not being faithful to the Lord. God had a plan for Jonah. You know, God's got a plan for you. You know, the plan is the same for all of us. It's, it's very simple. It is that God is glorified, that he's made known in our lives, that people know who Jesus is because they know us. We talk about that all the time, okay? But the truth is, is that we turn our backs on God, and we, we go running the other way, jump on a boat with a bunch of fishermen and take off for some other land or whatever, and that's not the thing that God is calling us to. I, I can guarantee you, we will be miserable running from God. Ask me how I know. We will be miserable. At the same time, the most fulfilled things and moments of our lives will be those things and moments when we are pursuing Him and following Him with all of our hearts. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. And in verse 5 it says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. The bars here, is, this is actually uh, symbolism for going back to him talking about the whole Sheol thing. The weeds were wrapped around my head. The water closing in to take my life. Hardly a fairy tale. Hardly a fairy tale. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And then it says, Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. You brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. And here's the truth. And there's so many of us in here right now that could say, man, that is, that's, that's what God has done for me. He has brought me up out of the pit. And some of you are going, look, Chris, I've never been swallowed by a fish. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Um, no, I think for us to understand that the very act of salvation the saving grace that we receive from Jesus giving His life on the cross on our behalf is that right there. You brought, 
yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. That's what God has done for each and every one of us who have believed in him, is that he has brought our lives up from the pit, and he has saved us. Folks, let me tell you what. If that's the thing that we focus on in life, everything else around us changes. How we look at our spouse changes. How we look at our job changes. We look at all things with grace as we are called to. Not with expectations of what we think it should be because what we think we deserve. Jesus came and gave up His rights to humble Himself to die on the cross that we might have salvation, that we might believe and trust Him. That, that, that humility word, man, that's a big word. And we're called to it. Jonah, Jonah practiced it in this moment. Now, was Jonah all that humble before, right before this? Well, no, he wasn't. He was full of himself. You say, well, Chris, that's kind of that's being liberal with your, with your thought on what, what you think about Jonah. Scripture doesn't necessarily say that. Well, it tells us this. It tells us that God spoke to him his plan for him, right? And then yet he still went and did something else. That seems pretty cocky and arrogant to me. And by the way, cocky and arrogant are the opposite of humility. Humility is the opposite of selfishness. Wanting things because we want them our way. And the truth is, is Man, every once in a while, we need God to correct our attitudes with that. Jonah, Jonah comes to the Lord, you know, in, in, in this prayer and says, you know, I prayed to the Lord, my God, from the belly of the fish, called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. You know, God didn't have to answer him. God didn't have to answer him. God, God could have been like, huh. I think, uh, I think he can wait a couple weeks in there. God didn't have to save his life. But God does that, doesn't he? He saves us from ourselves at times so that we can see that his plan is still the greater good for our life and that if we follow it, he wants to do great things. Not, not for our sake, because it's not about us, but for his kingdom. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Hmm. And I, I, I got to tell you, we get in a place sometimes where we just get real bad off, don't we? Like we, we, begin, to, we begin to think things are so bad that there really is no other way out. That's, that's a more common thing that happens all the time with depression and so many other things. And I got to tell you, I got one of those messages yesterday that I just never want to get. I got a message yesterday afternoon that one of our former students took her life over the weekend. And apparently she had really, I haven't seen her in years, but man, you want to talk about a sweet girl. I mean, like, girl lit up a room, pretty, like, you know, world at her, at her fingertips, like super smart, 
super talented, but apparently she was just like seriously, seriously hurting. Here to tell you today that there is hope. And that our hope is in Jesus. It can't, it can't be, it can't be in us. It can't be in what we do. We, we can't put our hope in our abilities. We can't put our hope in our jobs. Job may be gone tomorrow. Ability may be gone tomorrow. You don't think that's even possible? Well, talk to somebody that's, that's lost a body part or can no longer speak or hear or see. They'll tell you. But let me, let me let you in on a secret. He doesn't want me to tell it. And that's this. Satan wants you to believe the lie that there's no other way out. But I want you to hear what I just said. Satan wants you to believe the lie that there is no other way out. And that's not true. That's not true. There's always, there's always a way out. God has for us a plan. He created us for His glory, that we would live, that people would know who He is because they know us. To cap off my day yesterday, I went from that message to last night, a little bit later in the evening, kind of late in the evening for some people. People are always worried to call me at like 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, it's all right, it's all good, you know. I'm up. And I went from that message earlier in the day to getting to hear a young man pray to receive Jesus as his Savior late last night over the phone. And I was just reminded that all of it is worth it. It's all worth it. That's God at work. That's God at work here. We had a young man come to Jesus during fuel a couple weeks ago. Do you know that? I'm guessing you knew that. I figured you did. <laughs> well, you, you, just, you, just, you just had that look of like, and I was like, huh, maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> oh, you're engaged. Okay, well, good. Glad to hear you're engaged. I thought you was married. <laughs> oh, we're going Old Testament. I got some other scriptures for that. <laughs> oh, man. But, man, to God be the glory for what he's doing, you know? But here's the thing. Sometimes we have to go through the bad to really understand how good God is and, and what he's done for us. And, and, and at the same time, that we can remember that what he did for Jonah, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God. And folks, that's as good for us today as it was for Jonah then. Verse 7, it goes on. It says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. He's referring back to the guys on the ship. You remember the guys on the ship, right? What were they doing? They were, they were calling out and praying to their gods, okay? Not God himself, but their made-up gods. 
It says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Jonah is saying, our hope for steadfast love is only found in God Himself. Okay? Verse 9, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. And here, Jonah is again pointing back to the guys in the boat. Remember, they sacrificed Jonah, and then what did they do after they did that? They, they made vows. God, we'll, you know, we'll, be, we'll be your guys. You know, we'll, you know, we got you back. You know, we'll never leave you or forsake you. you know? Of course, they will because they're sinners. But you know, that's, that's what happened, and Jonah's pointing back to that. But then Jonah, you know, he, he closes it with this. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. I'm going to read that verse again, and I want to put it all together for you. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. He's saying, I want to give to you. I want to come through on every promise I've ever made. But, there's, then this, he says, but salvation belongs to the Lord. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not getting it because I deserve it. I'm not getting it because of the vows I'm going to keep. I'm not getting it because of the sacrifices I'm going to make. It's like, I'm getting it because you are giving it. He's giving it to us. It's a gift. And in verse 10 it says, And the Lord spoke to the fish. (laughs) And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Man, I'd have loved to have seen that. You would too, don't lie. One of my favorite parts of being a youth pastor was trying to get kids to puke on stage and then lead them to Jesus. It worked. Huh. Yeah, in those moments, we think to ourselves, well, this is going to go on forever, isn't it? This is, going to, this is just going to take forever, and you know, and 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 we think, man, I, I may just spend the rest of my life in here, and I'm going to be trying to eat some seaweed and figure out how to, you know, how to make it. You know, can I get a campfire going in here? I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't. Who knows what all Jonah was thinking? I'm, I'm sure he's not thinking any of those things. He's he's literally wondering if the Lord is going to allow him to live. And just like that, the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah out. And we're reminded that God has a plan. And that His plan is good. For us, as we go through these moments in life, I want to urge us toward humility. Humility toward God. I mean, we're called to humility toward one another. There's no doubt about that. But we we got to recognize on the daily, like how much we need the Lord. Not just on Sunday. We, we've got to recognize how much we need God all the time. I mean, literally, if we're, if we're, if we're not seeking the Lord, we're, we're communicating to Him, I, I don't need you. Let me read this little verse, 1 Peter 5, 5. It says this. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Scripture teaches us that God will find strength in our weaknesses. And He will give us comfort through our afflictions. Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that? Are we willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, you lead me through this. I'm going to trust in you right now for what it is that you're leading me to in this life. 1 Thessalonians 5 gives us a little something about prayer. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, this, this is this reminder for us today that what we do and what we're called to do in this relationship that we have with God should be something that is exactly that. It's actually a relationship. Nathan mentioned earlier, you know, that so many folks are just kind of stressed out with the thought of even opening Scripture and reading the Bible or whatever. Let me just tell you, just if, if, you, have, if you have nothing else to start with, just go to the book of John and just start reading that. And look, you're not, you're not reading it for a book report. It's not about speed reading. It's about listening to the Lord. You might get through one verse. You might get through a half a verse. And you're like, man, I, I need to dwell on that all day. Then go with it. Go with it. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Let Him show you who He is. Let Him show you how good He is. Let Him show you how much He loves you, cares for you, provides for you. Let Him in. Humble yourself before Him. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If we get to a point where we are able to give thanks in all circumstances, what's that look like? People think we're crazy. People think we're crazy. Like, what do you, what do you, you're giving thanks right now? You're thankful right now? You're going through an awful thing right now, but you're thankful right now? I've said it before, I'll say it again. Let's not waste our suffering. Let's let God use it for his glory. Not not in some fake phony way, all right? None of us here want the fake phony, okay? We're all on the same page with that. But let's let God use our suffering that people might see us suffer, but suffer well for his glory. That when they go, well, how in the world are you making it through that right now? We're able to go like literally, seriously, God is... is, carrying me through this right now. He's working through this right now. Jesus humbled himself. Humbled himself to the, to the point of death on the cross on our behalf. This is Philippians 2, by the way. And in there, we're called to humble ourselves as Christ has humbled himself. And... I think, again, we, we sometimes get tripped up on these words because we're like, we, we know that word humble. We know that term humility. We're like, the truth is we have a far, hard time like really just like nailing that thing down and like what's that really mean for our lives because it's such a like used word that sometimes it's just hard for us to, you know, like figure out what's that really look like because, I mean, there is the whole like false humility thing, right? You know, it's like, you know, well, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to like, 
you know, try to, try to do things for other people, but then, you know, sometimes that turns into like when, you know, that kind of turned into me doing it for myself because it made me feel good. You know, that's kind of that false humility thing, you know, and, and that can be in any number of ways. But again, I want to go back to that word and I want to bring back up what it's not. Sometimes the best way for me to understand what a word is is to, is to think about what it's not. And what it's not is it's not selfish. It's not about ourselves. It's making others more important than ourselves. I'll read a little bit of Philippians 2. It's not going to be on the screen. Paul from prison writes, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's saying that we together collectively in unity could follow Jesus together, okay? And then he says, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. None of us like conceited people, right? Remember what that means, right? People that think they're better than you. Like we don't want to be those people, right? We don't want to be people that think that we're better than everybody else. But Paul's saying we got to fight that in order to be humble. He says, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. He's not saying, he's not saying don't take care of yourself, okay? He's saying count others more significant than yourself. Don't think of yourself as better than others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what Jesus did for us. Humility is a tricky thing. Got a chance to speak to my kids school chapel services this week. I shared this with them. That uh, when I was in about the third grade in good old Princeton, Kentucky, at uh, Eastside Elementary School, and we had a little song at that school. I won't sing it to you, but we had a song. <clears throat> and we, was on, we were on the playground one day, and there was this kid that was just kind of a loudmouth bully type kid, you know? There's always those kids, the loudmouth bully type kid. And for the most part, you know, I was a lover, not a fighter. And so I, I didn't, you know, I didn't do a whole lot of standing up to the bullies, you know, and all of that. And this one day at recess, we're out there and we're kind of away from everybody. And I don't, I, honestly, I can't remember the kid's name. I can't remember what he said. But whatever he said, I, I guess at some, we, we finally got to the breaking point for Chris and I finally responded back and, and probably told him something that wasn't good. I don't know what I told him, but basically I you know, verbally fought the power here, okay? And in this moment, <coughs> I had something happen to me that I had never happened, had, had happened before, you know? Uh, if, when you were a kid, this more likely happened. Maybe it's happened to you as an adult. It hasn't happened to me as an adult. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, there's this thing called having the wind knocked out of you, right? 
And it happened a little bit later another time when I was riding my bicycle one day and I wasn't paying attention. I ran into a brick block in the middle of a parking lot, which is really stupid. And I like went over my handlebars and my handlebars went straight in my stomach, you know. And when you have the wind knocked out of you, and especially like the first time in your life when you have the wind knocked out of you and you don't see it coming, when you have the wind knocked out of you, I mean, like you think in that moment, I'm, I'm dying. I cannot breathe. I can't seem to suck air back in. You, you've just killed me, and I'm going to try to tell somebody before I lay here and die. <laughs> anyway, this kid, after I said whatever I said, he straight up just, I mean, I never saw it coming. He just punches me in the gut, you know? Punches me in the gut, knocks the wind out of me. Knocks the wind out of me. I think I'm going to die. And you know what I did next? You know what I did next? I fell on the ground. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Can't talk, nothing. Laying on the ground. All kinds of people, lay, you know, all kinds of people, everybody but a teacher, right? Where's a teacher when you need one? I'm laying over here on the ground. All my friends are hanging out and they're kind of like, oh, brother. And they all walk off. They all walk off. I'm laying over there by myself. Of course, the kid that punched me, he was long gone. He went and built a treehouse or something. And I am humiliated, right? I'm humiliated. I mean, for, I, I know that for the next while, of course, you think as a kid, for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to be known as. There's probably some kid that maybe he's a pastor someday telling this same story, and he's the one that knocked me out. I don't know. But, you know, uh, you know but in that moment, like you're thinking for the rest of your life, you're going to be known as the kid that got knocked down on the playground and couldn't do anything about it. Humiliation is a terrible thing. Yet is it, it is exactly what Jesus came and did for us. Jesus came to the playground and let us punch him over and over. Let us humiliate him. Not because he wasn't God, but because he was God and he loved us, and he humbled himself for us, that in the sacrifice that he would make for our life, we could have life. And we are called to also humble ourselves. Don't think so much of yourself. Care for others as Christ has cared for us. That's our calling. That's what God is leading us to. Don't run from it. Don't run from it because it's worth it. It's all going to be worth it. This morning, I pray that as we approach the Lord, and in fact, we're going to pray in just a moment, kind of like what we did last week, we're going to have a moment to just kind of pray. I'm going to encourage you that maybe in this moment, maybe you too need to just confess and repent of whatever's going on in your life and just tell it, tell, tell it all. Tell it, to, tell it to God. Don't tell it to all of us, you know, but tell it to God. Tell it all. Tell it all. Put it all on the table. Let me tell you what. There is something that is healing about putting it all out there before the Lord. You, th you know, we go, well, God already knows it all. Yeah, he does. You're right. But there's something about the process of us telling it to him that he wants to work in. 
And he wants to use it as a part of the process of not just, not just forgiving us. He's already forgiven us through the cross. But it is healing and it helps us to forgive ourselves. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior. I'm here today to tell you that there is no greater thing that could ever happen in your life. And if you feel God leaning in on you right now and saying, hey, quit running away and run here. I got something for you. Trust in me. Let me save you today. Let me be your hope. Let me be your salvation. And if you're, listen, if he's, if he's saying that to your heart today, you run as fast as you can to him. And I'm praying that you would trust and believe in him to be your savior today. That his death would have been enough, and it is enough, to forgive you of everything you've ever had in your life, just like he's done in mine. This morning, we're reminded of Jonah's prayer of desperation. But we recognize, as he says himself, salvation belongs to the Lord that it ends up being his prayer of salvation. Let's pray. God, we need you. Lord, we need you. And God, I pray for anyone here that has never believed that before today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them in their life right now see that they need you. God, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would believe in you and trust in you to be their Savior. God, I thank you for doing that in my life. God, I pray that we would be a people who are faithful to the calling that you give us that we would go. God, that we wouldn't chicken out. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just use us for your glory. God, I pray we wouldn't do it for us. I pray we would do it for you. God, be glorified in us. Use us, your family, this family, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom. God, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray all of it. Amen. Each week at 24, we take communion together. That's another form of worshiping Jesus, being reminded of the good news of the gospel. It says in Luke 22, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, and I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood.